this is awesome because I don't think I've ever told anybody this story. And I'm I'm in the warm up and the ground is I mean, I'm sinking probably my horse's hoof is disappearing in the ground. Oh, and and I've never felt what that felt like before. I didn't know. I was I was a little bit panicked and Buck Davidson saw he must have and I'd I, Buck comes out here in clinics and I'd ridden with him. Mm-hmm. And he's a just a nice guy and will yes. always help anybody that's in need and can recognize it. And I, I had to have had my eyes like peeled open, <laughs> just terrified. And he goes, Tammy. And I'm like, what? And he goes, just go as fast as you can so that when you make the turns, your horse stays on his feet. Wow. And I'm like, okay. Huh. And then like, Two minutes right after that, Karen O'Connor walks up and she goes, don't listen to him. Just (laughs) ride the way you know how to ride. (laughs) Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. Everyone knows how much we love mane and tail and recently our little stanley got a rash under his neck yeah so right under his collar he got a rash he started scratching it got really really red uh i got worried well we got worried and we took him to the vet so as everyone knows we've talked about before on the show that our sparky has bad coat and bad skin and he's had allergies his whole life and we've always struggled with that and now here stanley started with us so we were very worried took him to the vet and the vet said you know what the vet said karen she said, use Mane and Tail Protect. Protect line. So here's the deal. You can use Protect every day on that hot spot, scratches. Rain rot, ringworm. Ringworm. So uh, there's directions on the bottle. Get the bottle, but you can use it every day. But the key is you got to let it sit on their coat for about 10 or 15 minutes. Let it really soak in because that contact is what's going to fix this. And let it dry really well. Don't let the water fester on there. So what we have to do is we have to let Stanley's collar off and let it air out really good. We don't want any moisture, which we think is possibly him running around and creeks and swimming (laughs) and all types of stuff. (laughs) You know how the barn dogs are. You have a barn dog at all. So Karen, tell us a little bit more about the Protect Line Shampoo. So it's a veterinary strength medicated shampoo that provides a complete cleaning and protection treatment of topical skin problems. And it is pH balanced and safe for daily use. Yes. And that's what I didn't realize is that we can use it every day to get this stuff cleared up. And we're using them every day. And our dogs are, it's amazing. It's night and day how fast they cleared up. So really, really um, fantastic stuff. So Karen, people, how do, how do people learn more? Uh, just go to maintaileequine.com. And get it at your local tech shop, right, Karen? Yes. Fairfax and Favor is even good for guys like me, Karen, who are shopping. So... What's really cool is they have color collections. So they have matching handbags and accessories that go with shoes, all different types of shoes. So for a guy like me who's shopping, it's very simple for me to match up what you have. So your birthday's coming up soon. Just kind of curious if there's some favorite color that you like. Oh, yeah. I'm obsessed with their mango and cornflower collection right now. Yes, perfect for the summer season. Yeah, so mangoes kind of looks like a mango color. Mm-hmm. Cornflower is like a baby blue. Yes, super super cute, and they come with they have shoes and accessories and all these different colors. So it's very easy to match, and and you know for a guy like me who's not very good at that, <laughs> right? And they also have the trainer with the mango and cornflower stripes. 
Yeah, well, that's very cool. So that way, just think about it. You get the trainer with the two different color stripes and then... Oh, two different purses. Exactly. So a mango hmm. purse and a cornflower I'm purse. I'm myself in trouble. <laughs> you sure are. So Karen, if people want to check mango and cornflower out for themselves and other great Fairfax and Favor products, where do they go? All they have to do is go to fairfaxandfavor.com. This episode is brought to you by Red and Goat Equestrian. To learn more about Red and Goat, visit their Facebook and Instagram pages and go to redandgoatequestrian.com. Triple Crown Feed. Oh, Karen. yeah. Triple Crown. Big fans of Triple Crown Feed. They have tons of, of great products out there, mm-hmm. premium stuff. Karen, what do you got to say over there? So Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfeed.com. Triplecrownfeed.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. Triplecrownfeed.com. They have a great feed locator. They have a great feed com- comparison tool on their website i encourage everyone to get over there check out triple crown feeds website check out the different products check out what makes them so special and give them a shot right Karen? oh yeah support the people to support the show trish scott's got us covered and she can cover you trish is on with us to talk about equine mortality and medical coverages which there's a lot of changes trish so tell us what's going on in the industry right now and how can you help people yeah, there's a lot of changes going on in the equine mortality medical coverage right now. And I just wanted to put the word out there that we don't have to be afraid. Changes are coming, but um, I can certainly take care of, you know, whatever, you know, whatever questions, concerns, you know, our adventures have. Um, right now, the biggest one is Great American is not offering any medical coverage to any renewals or new business. But, and the thing is with our ventures, they're the one of the top three rated horses for, um, you know, for mortality. So it's a very unique breed of animal, very unique training. So we need to make sure that your policy is covered. Um, I have access to some of the top rated carriers right now. They are all offering full mortality, medical, surgical, any coverage is needed for our ventures. Don't worry about it. Just give me a call. I'd be more than happy to walk through your current policy and make sure that your renewal is covering your horse. Not a problem. Just give me a call. I'm always available. 484-319-8923. I'm Rob. And I'm Karen. And on today's Major League Eventing Podcast, Rob. Yes, ma'am. We have, very exciting, California four-star eventer, Tammy Smith. Tammy Smith, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We are oh, uh, we're excited to have you. Super excited to have you. We uh big fans of yours. Big fans. You know, yes. my, I'm going to start off right off the get-go. Okay. I love your horse, Wembley. I just got to throw it out there. <laughs> I love him. I, he's he's pretty cool. Oh, my gosh. That's one of the most good-looking horses, I think. I oh, uh, when we were in Kentucky, he took a ton of pictures of him. Yeah, I got a bunch of pictures of him. I don't. I, I somehow they're all of him. I didn't get any of you in the picture. It's all the women. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But I love them. And you know, it's funny. I'm like, a, I'm not like a light colored horse guy. Like I like bays and like black horses. But I'm not even like no, a chestnut I know. Guy. And that horse is like got eyeliner on, and it's like he's. Beautiful. I know he does. He's very majestic. <laughs> how how it is Wembley? Wembley's 15 this year. Uh, this coming, well, he's he's 14. Now he's, he's about to be 15. So, oh, so he's, perfect. he's getting up there. Thank wow. God he's white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tammy, you, uh, we know you were on the East Coast for a while. Are you still on the East Coast or are you back out West? 
Oh, no. I beelined it back for California immediately after Jockey Club. Gotcha. Okay. Nice work. I think I was there in record time in any in record history. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. So uh, this, I think this might be one of our first people in California, Karen. Have we talked to other people in California? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. But don't, uh, we're so well, glad to talk Holly. Holly. Holly Bennett. But she was on the East Coast. At the yeah. Time. Yeah, she was on the we East Coast. We were talking to Holly right right before the announcement that she was selected was out. So yeah. she was actually on the East Coast. Oh, and we, had to keep cool. our, we had to keep our mouth shut, Karen. Yes. So we were, we were, and so we did the interview knowing that she was on the Wags squad, but we had to like, had to keep that under wraps. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Tammy, we'd like to hear, we always like to um, hear the origin story of how you got started in writing and then eventually into eventing. Um, actually, I mean, I, gosh, it, I mean, it started when I was just a toddler. I mean, my parents had, uh, horses for pleasure. You know, they had trail horses and, uh, I grew up with horses in my backyard. So they were always kind of part of my life. I was terrified of them. Wow. I was a very scared kid, very, very scared kid and, um, not really a risk taker. And, um, my brother's trail rode with my parents and randomly often, often came off on these trail rides, like the horses that always come galloping back and <laughs> I'm not really sure why I, um, I decided to do this, but actually my mom, my mom started eventing with the trainer that I grew up riding with. And, uh, I was taking ballet and jazzercise lessons. <laughs> and as a, I think I was seven years old and I wanted to I wanted to uh, event and compete uh, and ride with the trainer that my mom was riding with, um, but my the trainer wouldn't train kids under eight years old. So um, I went to some lessons with my mom, and then when I turned eight, I got to I got to I I think mostly I did it because my mom was doing it, not because I really actually wanted to do it. <laughs> um, and she said, okay, well, we have this, this, uh, I think it was, it must've been like a Morgan Arab cross of some sort. If you can ride Brandy around the block, um, by yourself, then, I mean, I was like not even eight years old yet. <laughs> I would never let my kid do this. <laughs> as soon as you can ride Brandy around the block by yourself, um, then you can start taking lessons. So you have to ride the I, horse. I you have know. to show you can ride the horse before you could take a lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So wing it first, uh, and then we'll teach you. Wing the it first, and then we'll talk about it. So, so I and I, I really have no clue why I even for one second decided that I wanted to do this because it was terrifying to me. But it was just my mom was doing it, and I wanted to do it. So. Um, uh, then we, you know, the kind of the rest is history. I started riding with Kim Scheid, who trained me until I was probably 25. Wow. 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 And up at, like, at, at 25, like all that time, what level did you get up to under her, under her, uh, instruction? So I, um, I evented until 
I was, I think, 13. Um, I had done, I think, my first recognized when I was eight. Wow. Um, wow. And, and then I ended up going and riding with a pure dressage trainer that had done some eventing when she was younger, but then now she was, uh, she had just ridden at Young Riders and her mom was a judge. And uh, I started riding pure dressage with them. It's still eventing, but, you know, getting to ride her Grand Prix dressage horse and doing that. And then I went back to Kim to start eventing again um, and got all the way up to Young Riders when I was 14. And my horse got injured, so I didn't, I didn't get to go to championships. And then I went back to eventing, and then my horse got injured. And my life changed dramatically. I, I was a my, – my parents got divorced. My horse got injured. My life completely felt like it fell apart. Oh. <laughs> and um, it, was really, it was really hard. Uh, but I had such a great – barn family I got to you know I always rode other horses kind of the the kid that would ironically being terrified would get on anything because (laughs) I it was just my job as as the rider at that barn I was well Tammy get on that one and Tammy get on this one and (laughs) my trainer had a breeding program and so I was on a lot of different young horses rank crazy very talented <laughs> um, horses, which uh, I'm not really sure how I lived and made it through, but it made me uh, it made me learn how to stay on. So I'm grateful to it. Um, and then, you know, then I I ended up getting through high school and um, was had my had my daughter and right out of high school and. Um, had to be a, an adult really quick. Yeah. Uh, so it, um, I, I have to say that I, it, it's been quite, a um, uh, a journey and it's been, um, kind of, a against the odds yeah. kind of journey. And it's been, um, I, I honestly can't really tell you how I, it even, got to the, you know, I got here, I, I think about it and I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, I, I have not, a very little empathy for people, uh, when it comes to, oh, I have to go to school and I have to work a part-time job and I can't, I can't ride that many horses, you know, like yeah. I, it's very hard. You can't really complain to me <laughs> too yeah. much yeah. about stuff like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and then I, went back to riding. Yeah. I mean, I never really quit riding. Mm-hmm. I was always kind of going to the barn on the weekends and my trainer is one of a, a huge, um, mentor in my life and still part of my life. And, uh, you know, made it possible for me to be able to keep riding, even though financially it was impossible. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I just, it was in my blood. So I never imagined that I'd ever be a professional rider or a trainer. It was, it never occurred to me when I was younger that I would ever do that. And then obviously having my daughter uh, just kind of right out of high school, it, it really changed things for me. And I, I never, I never actually thought that it would be possible until I just kept 
kind of plugging along and then all of a sudden it started to become you know possible and wow. i'm i'm a little you know i i i say to people like a little bit of i had unrealistic expectations um because if i could go back and look at what i thought was possible then i would i would never think that now that i've done it i would never you know if i knew now what i knew then there's no way i would have even even tried yeah <laughs> so it's almost um, like ignorance is bliss like it is yeah it so is thank god sometimes yeah you know right so from like 14 till 18 19 20 you were just kind of flying by the seat of your pants catching rides when you could is that about right or when how, pretty much yeah pretty much when did you were you uh were you trying to do the professional thing with part-time jobs or did eventually you like uh were you ever doing so well i um you know i would ride anything and I never, I mean, I rode so many horses for free without getting paid. It's so funny to me because I'll have working students or people contact me and say that they're looking for like a working student job and how much does that pay? Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the mentality is so different nowadays. Uh, but I, I rode horses for, I, st I still do sometimes. <laughs> uh, I rode horses for free, uh, never even once crossed my mind that I was good enough to get a, a payment from someone to ride them. I was just grateful that I was able to ride someone else's horse and possibly that that horse could potentially be a superstar and allow me to compete in a, at all, like yeah. not even yeah. at a specific level. And so I, I worked a full-time job. I went to school, uh, I was mentored by my boss. I worked for uh, Loma Linda University in the mental health department there and ran like a behavioral health intake department. So like people call in to get appointments for, uh, you know, marriage and family therapy or, uh, you know, somebody has depression and needs, you know, counseling or they, you know, have been a, a assault victim or or even we had a line where people would call in and they'd be suicidal and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I ran that. I ended up working up my way up through that and ran that department and then became an administrative assistant for the vice president. And uh, she said to me, you need to, you need a college education. And they, they gave me a, a scholarship to, to get my degree a partial like scholarship and I got student loans. And so I was working full time, going to school three nights a week at night uh. and, uh, and going out to ride usually once a week at night and, um, and the weekends. Wow. Uh, and my trainer had bred a horse that was phenomenal and a lot of people had trouble riding it and I got along with him really good his name was Gambit and she basically was like pay me what you can so I, I literally made a hundred dollar a month payments to buy this horse from her wow wow and still paying uh, hundred dollars a month <laughs> No, I sold them. Thank God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just paid off my student loans. Oh, <laughs> but um, no, it was. Um, it's it's just it. 
I, you know, people say those corny state, you know, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Mm -hmm. And you, whatever you put your mind to, you can, you know, I mean, there's some truth to it, you know, like, um, you know, so I, I, I don't know why, but I was so, I think horses had been such a savior for me and uh, this sport of eventing had been such a comfort for me with the struggles that I'd gone through as a kid that it was just something I wasn't ever willing to not be a part of. So I, I met my husband. Um, I was, uh, you know, still working full time, kind of riding for, for my trainer, mostly on the weekends. I was kind of doing that on the weekends and showing some horses for her uh, in the show jumping and then, uh, and, and eventing, but, you know, kind of, trying to do it all a little bit. And I graduated, uh, with my degree and a, my, you know, met my husband, we dated for a year, we were married and, um, I ended up, um, actually really crazy, ended up, uh, having, being diagnosed with uterine cancer. Oh my goodness. So, well, I guess not your husband. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Wow. Um, so, which it, it ended up not being, um, you know, a, a, a ter- I mean, if you're going to have something like terrible like that, it it wasn't a terrible thing. I was told that, you know, I needed to have a hysterectomy. I never, you know, should have kids, you know, because it was too risky to continue, you know, to have my uterus because it had a, I had a, t- a cancerous tumor on it. Um and kind of luckily, Dave's sister, who is kind of taken over being a little bit of the matriarch of the Smith family, she, you know, is so um, positive and always like never takes no for an answer. And, you know, went, went and researched that, you know, offered to be, you know, artificially inseminated and was like, I'll carry your baby for you kind of thing. And we're just like, whoa. But Dave's like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we ended up getting a second opinion. I um, got pregnant with my son very quickly. Um, had to, you know, went through radiation, got pregnant with my son very quickly. And then uh, shortly after that, had a hysterectomy. Oh. Um, and, um, but pregnancy kind of fixes, like fixes your, fixes your body, especially when it needs to, care for a child so it it kind of worked out um kinda. pretty kind of <laughs> it did it worked out great um holy smokes uh, and we're here he's my son's now 14 wow. and um we joke that he's really smart because of uh, me having radiation yeah, before yeah. I got pregnant with him not because <laughs> uh, not because of my husband or myself um but had my son and when I was pregnant with him Uh, I was on, because of, I was high risk and, and everything they, uh, I was on the bed rest. So I basically got to sit on the couch and watch TV all day, which was really fun. (laughs) And, um, and he was like, why don't you just do this as a profession? Like, why don't you start training people and, and kids and adults and you love it. Like you've been doing it. You know, I was then. 27 or 26. And, um, 
And I was like, I'm not good enough. I can't, I can't do that as a profession. But I was like, you know what? But I'll ride horses. So that was kind of the. I mean, I can. The rest is a bit history. Wow. So, wow. Um, yeah. Wow, that's awesome, man! You really. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I never knew any of this about you. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. That's uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah. That's wow. We, that's Karen. The stuff we find out on this show. I, know, I mean, really. I don't know. Maybe that's common knowledge to other people, but to us, I don't know. This was the first time I've ever heard of any of this. Yeah, me too. No, I mean, I haven't. I, I don't think I've ever. I don't think. I don't think anybody probably, and except for for probably the people that are. I mean, obviously the people that I ride with right. and are my friends yeah. here on the West Coast. They ex- they were around me during all this, so that they know. But it wouldn't be a, like a common knowledge. Wow. You know, I don't go talking about it. So. <laughs> That's amazing. And just the fact that, so from 14 to like 24, 25, 26, 27, you were just kind of winging it and then dealing with either health issues or family issues. Or I mean, my gosh, God bless you. You're, you're a very resilient person. It's incredible. A lot of people would just pack it up and go sulk somewhere. And, and, uh, not you. When did you, is that is that how you lost your fear? Like when when did you uh, not become s- afraid of the riding side of things? Well, I think riding and and my trainer was a big piece of this. Like she was, you know, trained and went through the British Horse Society instructors oh. program, and um, and um, she was very German esque like. And so I was way more afraid of her than (laughs) anything she ever told me to do. Uh, And I think just doing what she told me to do created me, you know, she had a huge belief in me and that made me then believe in myself. And, um, you know, so she, she has a huge piece of that, but I, I think I was growing up, I was, I gained the tools of being able to ride rank horses and break horses and um, kind of experiment a lot of really old school eventing that it gave me more confidence because it, it taught me feel and it taught me kind of a get her done type um, attitude. And uh, she, she was very much like that, very much old school eventing, like, don't ever have a horse refuse over a jump where you are not going to be a happy camper. Cause she's going to be <laughs> turning and exploding inside out. So right. you just, <laughs> you just learn to be tough. And, and then as I, I think became, you know, I would say that in my mid to late twenties, I then understand, I understood then that I needed to, I needed to refine my training and uh and learn to have finesse and i went and um rode um for a i worked for an australian guy um by the name of alan clark that is this uh, i I think he's probably world world champion renowned like holds like records in australia in uh western pleasure and is a is very much involved in the jumper industry here on the West coast and deals a lot with different type of horsemanship and learning to kind of get through to, to horses that are struggling and riders that are struggling with them. And uh, I went and worked for him for about three years and that 
I think really kind of put the the finishing touches on where I was going from there. And it, it really skyrocketed me to, you know, kind of going into becoming a professional and gaining confidence. And I, I got to ride in a Grand Prix on one of his horses and, uh, and, and, but my heart was always in eventing. Um, so I started eventing again and, you know, it was kind of funny coming back into it. Uh, you know, I like, there's local trainers here. One of them, I remember I was, I must've been 30, 32, 30, 31 or so. And I was riding intermediate and she came up to me and she's like, I really want you to apply for the young riders this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they didn't know, you know, I'd been out of it for so long and I was now married. So nobody really knew me or recognized me. And so there was like, who is this chick? <laughs> so, you know, I think that went around for a couple of years, um, several years, probably a good, you know, two to three years. But like, who is this girl? Uh, and, and then I, you know, I, I just kept, kept at it. And, um, I'm, I mean, I, I have to say that I'm always a student of the sport. And I think that that has been a huge reason that I've been able to, um, kind of, you know, develop into, you know, an upper level rider because I, I've, I've, I've always been hungry to be better. And, um, I mean, it's, it, it is such a great sport though. It, mm-hmm. it really is. You know, I hear, I hear people say, ah, eventing, you know, especially the other di- disciplines. I'm like, if you, if you guys ever did it, you, you'd never go back. Cause it's, it's such a great community. And, uh, you know, yeah, we all have our faults, but th- you know, this, this sport raised me. And I mean, I think kind of turned me into the, into the person I am now. So I'm very grateful that I was introduced to it way back when I was just a little kid. Yeah. What's the, you're, you're on the West coast and you, I guess you've always been there. What do you, um, how's that trying to event on the West coast and, and do the upper levels and everything? Is that, well, you know, we're on the East coast, so we've never really been a part of that. Karen. Mm -mm, So what's, what's that? I heard there's like a lot of travel and stuff. Is it, how's the scene out there right now? Well, there there's there are several comparisons um and i think that i think that i used to think that i was at a disadvantage because i wasn't in the mix of you know the heartland of eventing which is in virginia and pennsylvania and mm-hmm. aiken and you know ocala um but i i've changed my mind <laughs> and i I feel like I'm actually at an advantage and, and, and I'll, the first, the first question is what are the differences? Um, the differences are if you're trying to produce young horses, it's much more expensive on the West coast than it is on the East coast to produce a horse, a young horse. Uh, you know, you, you, on the East coast, there's a one day event every weekend. If you want to go within a few hours away. Um, the West coast doesn't really have one day events, not recognized events. And we do have a few schooling one day events, but, um, you know, those, those are, are minimal in, because we have to travel Mm -hmm. to our events in order to, um, in order to compete. And, and so, uh, from from a from a financial standpoint and producing young horses it would be 
um, in one aspect, as long as you stay in one location, it is definitely more affordable on the East Coast. With that being said, in, in California, where I'm at, the weather 12 months of the year is pretty excellent. Yeah. Uh, what part of California are you? Um, we're in Southern California, which is just like, we're, we're halfway between LA and San Diego. Oh, okay. just about we live there. 45, we used to live out that way. 45 minutes. Yeah. And immaculate, um, 45 minutes inland from the, from the coast. Okay. So okay. we were on the coast. We lived in like Newport beach. Or and Ohio. so, no, so just inland from there. So we're, we would be, we would be um, closer to San Diego than we would be to LA. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Still beautiful, um, beautiful area. Mm-hmm. For sure. It is. Um, and so from a comfort standpoint for the horses, um, you know, we like my barn, I'm, I'm very lucky because all my horses, we, they all get turned out. They're in fields. They're not grass fields. And that would be the the downside, but, um, we have these slow feeders that we buy. And so there's slow feeder, um, stations in our, in our pastures and our turnout. Mm-hmm. So the horses virtually are literally out for a minimum of 12 hours a day, um, every single day of the year. Gotcha. And so on the East coast, you know, you're dealing with weather, thunder and lightning storms, too hard a ground, too soft a ground, you know, and bugs are too bad. Humidity is too hot. You know, we don't have those inconveniences. And so, um, but, from from a you know in the summer it's not very pretty it's very dry and dirt mm-hmm. and dust and you know so you do have I mean we have to water our our rings every day with a water truck and drag them every single day so um that you know there's 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 those things the other thing about the eventing on the west coast is that every event is like going to stable view is a very good good example okay. so stable view in um, Aiken, um, is exactly how every single one of our events is. It's beginner novice all the way through the three-star level. Um, it, the atmosphere is just like it was at Sable View. Uh, if, I mean, it would be equivalent to like a Richland Park when they were in here. Um, you know, so everything is up to a high a pretty high standard. Gotcha. The okay. course building is a high standard. The course design is a high standard. You would never see a course on the West Coast that wasn't either at or above standard. Okay. Um, the lower levels are very difficult. Um, and so the other the other piece of it is that the grant the piece of ground that we ride on is um, you know we ride on gallop lanes because our footing is dirt and so it's man it's watered and dragged you know before every event it's um prepared as though you would prepare an arena um and so um that disadvantage would be that you don't learn how to gallop on an open track where you can go and cut lines and because you're used to being told kind of where to go um 
and and most of our ground is on flat ground. We don't have a tremendous amount of terrain, and so all of the those types of questions are usually man-made. So mounds and you know, and they've been very creative with learning, you know, teaching kind of us. We have a great venue up in Northern California called Woodside Horse Park that has a tremendous amount of terrain, and um, and so that's kind of the place where you practice that, but. Um, at the upper levels, um, we have all the way up to the CCI three-star level here. Um, we have two CCI three-stars, one at Galway at the end of the year and one at Rebecca Farm in July mm-hmm. and several CICs uh, and CCI two-stars. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm at a disadvantage of that. I think the reason why you have to travel east for the exact same reason I think that the East Coast should travel west is because you have to get out of your comfort zone. Gotcha. Yeah. And for me, I needed to go out there and ride against people who I'd never ridden against, against, you know, the Buck Davidson and Philip Dutton and Boyd Martin and, you know, all these people who are number one in our country and very high up in the world and kind of measure myself up against them. But I feel like once you get comfortable with competing against them, then you can go to Europe and then you can compete and measure yourself up against them. But I, I do think that the reason why the West Coast is at an advantage is because we are, we are willing to go East to compete and get out of our comfort zone. And I don't see that because I think that there is a perception that eventing is better on the East coast than it is on the West coast. Yeah. And, um, you will never see a better event ran than Rebecca farm, which is in Montana or a Woodside horse park or Galway downs. Mm. And the, the quality of, um, the venues and how they've improved them and what, what's happening. I don't go East because eventing is better. I go East because for me, I have to measure myself up against the East coast riders. Gotcha. Right. It's, it's not the, it's the head to head, you know, absolutely measuring stick. Well, yes, you're definitely. And when you haven't, when, well, when you haven't done it before, it's very intimidating, you know, and, 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 and you're, I mean, you're riding on courses you've never ridden before and you're, you know, going and competing against, you know, the one year I was at my first year at Fairhill, I think I was the only person with a Navy jacket on. Everybody else had a pink coat and it was, I was like cr- crapping my pants. <laughs> <laughs> You've done pretty well at Fairhill. That's some, yeah, <laughs> I'd say. I, I, I'd say. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I did. I did a lot better. I did a lot better at Fairhill in 2015 than I did in, I think, 2007 yeah. <laughs> when I went there. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Oh man, yeah, you're uh, you're and you're having a heck of a year this year. That's for sure. I mean, you're clearly at the top of the sport. So I mean, there's no better ambassador for, well, I mean, you know, for for that West Coast and and. Uh, I think that's great that you're, you know, Karen, we do like that. We get people with emails and say, Hey, mm-hmm. you need some more West coast people, more Texas people. And that's what, and we're also, we're trying to do that. So we hear our listeners that are asking, sure and I appreciate that because, you know, we are area two folks. I mean, we're, we live five minutes from Fairhill, Tammy, 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of wow. right there ground zero. So, um, do you ever find that the, uh, this, maybe this is a crazy question. This is probably crazy, but the horses coming from being used to riding on, and galloping on the gallop lanes, when they get to Kentucky and you have that kind of deep grass, do you, do you find that the horses are slowing down at all or anything, or are they, is it just like any other day? Um, no, it's definitely not anything like any other day. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't mean, I don't mean like that. I mean, like just the, the footing and the terrain. And once your horses come um, west to, to the Kentucky, you know what? Um, people say that, like, what's my horse going to do when it gallops on grass? I think, I think what needs what happens is that people don't know how to gallop on grass who've grown up eventually on the West Coast, unless like now we. Now, like Montana up at Rebecca Farm is a destination event for the West Coast. And so people are learning how to gallop on grass. But I think the biggest, um, I'll never forget it. I went I went to Richland Park to do my first CIC three-star. And it was raining so hard. And uh, this is awesome because I don't think I've ever told anybody this story. And I'm, I'm in the warm-up and the ground is... I mean, I'm thinking probably my horse's hoof is disappearing in the ground. And, and I've never felt what that felt like before. I didn't know I was, I was a little bit panicked and Buck Davidson saw he must've, and I'd, Buck comes out here in clinics and I'd ridden with him Mm -hmm. and he's a, just a nice guy and will always help anybody that's in need and can recognize it. And I, I had to have had my eyes like peeled open, (laughs) just terrified. And he goes, Tammy, and I'm like, what? And he goes, just go as fast as you can so that when you make the turns, your horse stays on his feet. Wow. And I'm like, okay. And then like two minutes right after that, Karen O'Connor walks up and she goes, don't listen to him. Just ride the way you know how to ride. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know what the, we, that, we, we're starting this show with that. <laughs> it was, it was the most epic, most disastrous thing that could happen to somebody right before they're going out oh. to their first CIC three star. Oh. And, um, and I'm like, do I go fast or do I just ride normal or what? You know? oh. but, um, that's a thing that we don't experience on the West coast. And that is super important to learn how to do. And you can't do that on the West coast. And so that's a really good disadvantage that we go through because, um, you know, and, but you, you just, you, you can't be prepared for that until you're, you know, until you're ready for that. You know, you yeah. just, I, I think that, um, but the horses at like Kentucky, once you've learned to ride on the grass, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not super experienced at Kentucky, but I've been to a lot of, big atmosphere type venues. I've been to Le Leon in France and to Buccalo three times and which it doesn't get any crazier than Buccalo. And um, you mean the party or the you know, Blenheim. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing, right? <laughs> and <laughs> the gallop lanes, but yes, the whole thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and Blenheim. And so um I've never had a horse that I I've always felt like they felt better at that kind of it's almost like they focus more the crowds don't you want to think that the crowds are gonna affect them but the amount of people there's so much that it's almost like it's almost 
better because they're so focused and lasered in on the flags. And so I think if it doesn't get to you, then, then in my experience, I, I think I've, you know, ridden a half dozen horses around those types of, um, venues and I've never found it to be, um, more distracting. I've only found it to be more, they've been more focused. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that makes sense too. If, if, it, if, the, if you're aligned with people, the horse is going to get distracted by what's changing, not the constant, yeah. f- you know, people all over the place cheered and the, the constantness of that. So that's very cool. Insight. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. So the, the carrot business today, next level eventing, can you tell us a, a little bit about your business and what you guys are doing over there? Um, Probably in, I, I got a grant um, to go, I got the, the big Becky grant, they call it, um, the Rebecca Broussard International Grant back in 2015. And uh, in 2016, I went over to England and spent uh, three months over there. Uh, and when I went there, I went over to Rodney Powell's and Alex Franklin's and learned kind of how you know, just how they do things. And at that point I was in a place where I was trying to figure out how best to run my business. And so it changed. Like when I, before I went over there, I had a very big um, amateur training business Um, in on the West coast. um, That's different than the East coast is that there's barns that like we have, I have a 32 stall barn an 11 stall mare motel barn and a 20 stall uh, temporary barn. And we were packed full wow. uh, and, and it's, and it's for, um, you know, it was, it was predominantly clients and their horses. And so the problem with that is that then you're teaching a lot of lessons and you're not riding as, as well. Right. And, and so when I, when I got back from there, I, I, I sat down with Heather, who's my best friend, and her and I kind of, we run the business a bit together, and she's on a much lower scale because she wants to be, but mm-hmm. um, she still helps me, and, uh, you know, when I'm traveling, teaches my students and what have you, but uh, we we just went, you know what, we want to really focus on our riding, and so we now, the business is sales horses. We have a handful of clients that we teach and the rest are horses in training or horses to be sold or our own personal horses to compete. Wow. So it sounds like it is a little more East Coast style. Is that? I would say that my barn is probably probably one of the only barns that is like that. Um, that? Wow. that is like an East Coast barn. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. That is very interesting. Wow. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, so you have some. So, do you take on like working students and, and people like that, or, or are you? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we have. Um, we have the the properties on forty acres. We have a cross country schooling area with like a bank and a ditch and a little water jump and some skinnies out there. We've got a really great um, jump ring and a beautiful dressage court with mirrors and a big covered ring as well. And so we kind of can kind of do everything in a very close proximity. Um, We have a house on the property. So right now, currently, we have three working students. uh, And I also have my right-hand girl, Monique Costin, who's my groom, and also helps me ride. And um, 
all throughout the, we're kind of centrally located in, in kind of a valley. So we have mountains and hills and trout hacking for hours and hours. And so the fitness um, abilities out here are really, we're, it's really unique for us because um, we're in kind of a, a, a it, it's not a gated community, but it is a community that has like homeowners do some stuff. So, and it's a, a equestrian community. So um, there's like probably 50 miles of trails wow. that all, all up and down hills. So um, I'm able to like go trot hack up and down hills and, there's a there's a gallop that we that that's exactly a mile that's a slight uphill and then we have a really steep gallop so um it wouldn't be what you would probably you'd probably be mortified because we're in the desert basically i mean you know there's the only thing better is to me is you know unionville pennsylvania in october september and october like you some of those days you just couldn't ever get to a more beautiful place oh, yeah. in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, know. But Palm beach is pretty nice. Too <laughs> yeah, it is. Have you ever been to Wellington in, in January? Like 2.5 seconds. So. <laughs> I'm like, it's amazing. I'm moving here. And then the next day you're like in a blizzard. Right. Like, yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just stay in the so, December um, in Unionville and then you'll be like, yeah, get me out of here. <laughs> No, I know. I know. Well, yeah, I I know. I was there in right after Fairhill and I was like, get me out of here. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> 10 minutes from Galway Downs, <laughs> they run eventing there too. So, you know, we're, I, we're in a really cool place. We have five AAA rated dressage and show jumping venues within probably an hour, hour and a half from our, from our farm. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot of practice. I mean, I'm an hour from Stefan Peters, Gunter Seidel, oh, wow. Christine Traurig, Johan Hinneman. I mean, we have legends in our sport of dressage and show jumping Susie Hutchinson's 10 minutes. And, you know, there's there's a million, you know, people and we have the, the million dollar hits, uh, you know, show jumping venue that's about two hours from us. So from you know, a cross training point of view, I, I, I just, I went, I was driving home this fall and I went, you know what? I'm in the exact perfect place. Yeah. Karen, you know what this means? Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we've driven cross country and it's not fun. So God bless you with the trailer doing that. I've, we did that and, uh, whew, that's a long drive. Oh, very long drive. <laughs> I know in the middle, the middle of, it's really exciting, like to do once. Yes, yes. <laughs> once. once is awesome. Everybody should do it once yeah. in their life. We did it. We they went should, east to they west. They should do it once in their life. We went east to west in three days. We busted it out. We were humping. Yeah, that's what we just we just we did that in. I think we did it in two and a half. Oh my wow. gosh! You beat with horses. That's incredible, Karen. Wait, just... We got to go back after the record. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So, hey, real quick, one more thing about the business. Do you do you are your horses all owned by owners or yourself, or do you have syndicates, or how what, how is your horse? Uh, and do you look for new owners and horse syndicates and stuff? Or yeah, um, you know, I mean, I you know, I have a lot of, I have a a, a couple syndicate horses. I have a a couple really great owners um, that own horses for me, and then I have like. Currently, I have a really cool off-the-track thoroughbred that 
I acquired and I'm trying to develop a, a syndicate for it. I have an owner that bred um, two babies um, that are related to the horse that Holly Bennett had a tremendous amount of success with gin and juice and from riding two babies for those people that were trying to syndicate. And so I'm always looking, you know, to get more people to support because it's an expensive sport. Right. And, um, and I can't afford to own them by myself. I'm fortunate because my husband has had a very steady, good career and, um, so I have been able to really put every dime that I've ever made back into my business and back into my riding. And, uh, you know, I, I don't make much money, but I definitely reinvest it back into, into the, into the business. And so, and to me, my quest of trying to get, you know, a good group of horses under me so that I can somehow, you know, make it to the top of the sport. And so, um, I, I'm always looking for, you know, fun people who, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so incredibly lucky to have the people that I have that back me. Um, I have a great group of owners that you couldn't find m- more fun people. I mean, just unbelievable, smart, you know, really believe in me. And that's been you know, that's really what's taken my career to the next level is those people who have really, um, you know, taken a, an investment in me. So, um, but I, you know, I, I have owned horses and I have um, ones that I, you know, like this thoroughbred off the track, I just saw something super special in him. A, a student of, I, of mine uh, bought him and then she kind of moved on because we were changing we were changing our business and she went to go ride with another trainer locally. And she called me as soon as she was like, you're right. He was going to be too much horse for me. I want to sell him. And so I am currently looking for, you know, know, it's hard when to syndicate horses that are, you know, just doing their first one star. So, um, and, um, but no, it's, it's been, it's, that's, that has been my number one, focus is to try to gain as much support as I can because, you know, you, you can never have too many really, you know, you, you, you can never have too many horses that are at the quality. Um, and, and, you know, they're coming, you know, we've got, we've got them from three years old up to, um, you know, then, than Wembley, who's 15. So, um, you know, you, you just got to keep kind of in, you know, putting them through the pipeline and figuring out if, you know, they have what it takes to kind of get to the next level. And so, uh, and if they don't, then we end up selling them. And I'm, I'm one of the things I think that's really been unique about my program is that I really focus on, you know, the people that support me are not rich people. They're people who work very hard at their jobs. And I've always tried to make right decisions that if I didn't think that the horse was going to hold up soundness wise, or was going to be competitive mentally, that we then sold for what we paid for it or, or made a profit. And so 
I've, I'm proud to say that I've been 100% successful in doing that in every horse that we've purchased at a syndicate. And I think that that's an important piece and a quality in a rider and a trainer for owners that, you know, that it's, it's, it is about me getting to the level, but it's also about not losing the investment that, you know, we're all putting our money into. And so, um, it's created some creative situations. Uh, you know, like we, I ended up trading my twisted sister horse for a horse that wasn't quite sure was going to make it to the top of the level, but I knew was sellable and, you know, rode him for a year and said, yeah, he's not going to make it to the top of the sport. But then we sold him for, you know, more than that syndicate than what we paid for it. So it, wow. you know, it, to me, that's an important piece and responsibility from my point mm-hmm. of view and, and getting people's support. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been successful in keeping people supporting me because they, you know, they, they aren't just losing their investment. I also think it's super important to produce my own horses. So, you know, we're not spending, you know, outrageous amounts of money and trying to buy horses. So, um, but it's, it's just been, I just, I think because I, I couldn't foresee ever spending an amount of money on a horse like that. So then I just, why don't we just get a five-year-old, a four-year-old or a five-year-old that I can produce? And, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that's been a really successful piece in to my career. And, um, I didn't always think that I used to think, Oh, well, somebody else can't ride it. I will, but it, it really changed for me. I really focused my, my goals into producing my own horses. Um, uh, back in 2011 when, when I, I had a really bad fall and, um, I went, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to produce my own horses. So well, I think just, that's, um, and you just won the, the, East, the, the championship for the five-year-olds this, this year, right? Yeah, really exciting. We we picked him out in Germany, um, in Belgium actually, um, in uh, as a three year old, and he was a and just just turned not quite three yet, but it was his three year old year, and um, just a it's I, it's very rewarding to produce produce them and watch them grow, and it's fun and it's 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 a really exciting um, it's exciting to do that. Heck yeah, man. You're, you're doing fantastic work. And that's one way to keep owners coming back and wanting to reinvest when you're not just throwing their money out, out the window because it's not your money. You know, that you're, that, that you're, that you're looking at their investment and that you're taking that into consideration. Mm-hmm. And I've, and I've, you know, like, you know, I, I always, in my syndicate packets, I'm always talking about like, this is what I'm giving. You know, this is what, this is my skin in the game, my training and, and what have you. And then this is their skin in the game. And so it's really a 50, 50 partnership. Um, you know, I'm, I'm giving back to it too. And so I think that they really appreciate that, you know, that it's not just, you know, me trying to, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a unique, I'm a unique person to be able to do that. It's not, everybody isn't fortunate enough to do that. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, that is a, a benefit that I have because I've, I've been able to really invest in my career more than, you know, more than trying to pay a mortgage payment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Great insight on that stuff. I uh-huh. love it. So Tammy, if you had any advice for a young rider wanting to make it in this sport, uh, what would it be? I would say go to college. 
um, I would tell them to have the best high school experience they can have and don't miss their prom (laughs) (laughs) and uh, go to football games and then go to college and then go work for someone in Europe um, as a writer and a working student and uh, and then and then and then work on their career. Gotcha. You know, we get that <clears throat> we get that pretty regular um, from like we ask that question a lot about college, and you kind of beat us to it. And we get that a lot where um, some parents have actually come up and said, "Hey, we listen to the podcast with our kids in the car," and 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 it, that actually opens up the discussion about and that somewhat yeah. debate of do I go to college, do I not? And and we ask that of a lot of writers and and we get all different answers mm-hmm. um, from people that are for it, against it, who went and wish they we even wished, had trade school. Yeah, we have had trade school. So um, mm-hmm. I I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that insight very much. And and uh, I know nowadays it seems that there are a lot of young writers that are <clears throat> professionals in their teenage years and. You wonder about the burnout factor. For sometimes. sure. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I think that, um, I think that it's, it going to college to me, um, you know, I, I, I think one of the big missing pieces in the industry is that you can be a really great rider and a really good manager of horses, but if you are not a good per- people person, and if you don't know how to communicate, and if you don't know how to run a business, then your success rate is significantly decreased. And I gained so much confidence and knowledge from going to college. I didn't go to college to, I actually went to college to become a CEO of a company someday, not, which I guess I virtually am, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but but it was not within horses mm-hmm. at all. I would, I wanted to be um, a president of a Fortune 500 company. Wow. <laughs> I, I was, I was doing, I was doing college because I wanted to run a, a business in, you know, hmm. in whatever that was in the in the in corporate mm-hmm. world. Um, and <clears throat> but. When before I went to college, I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to have a debate with someone. I didn't know how to um, even talk in front of a group of people. And so I don't know how to balance my checkbook. Mm. <laughs> so I just, I feel like that is a big missing link. And I know that other countries like in, in England and in Ireland, that is not the case, but it is a different animal over there. And you, you can, it is very um, prestigious to be a professional rider and you're not expected to have a college education, but people over and in the, it's the culture to own horses there. People in the United States, it's people typically who own horses are corporate level or owners of companies, or they are business people. And so how do you deal with a business person if you've never learned how to deal with a business person? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's a really missing piece unless you have someone that is uh, funneling and and handling a manager, if you will, handling all that for you, you, 
your your percentage of success isn't going to be very high, in my opinion. And so you either have to teach yourself how to get good at business or it's really simple. I mean, you, you go to call, you go to college right out of high school, you have a degree by the time you're 23, you know? And so, and, and really, if you're easy, I mean, really 22, you know, so, um, and who at 22 is going to go to the Olympics. So I just, you know, I was very, my daughter rides, she's, she's actually 22. Um, and, and she rides, but in her, in high school, she wanted to, uh, do sports. And I said, you have to pick you. And, and I want you to pick to go do sports. And she never rode. She never rode a horse mm. in high school. Oh. And um, until she went to, until she decided when she was a senior, she wanted to go to Young Riders and then she started riding. <laughs> but, um, but it was really important for me to watch her because I didn't, you know, I, I thought I want to go to the Olympics and I want to, you know, I want to be the best and I want to be dedicated and I want to be a hard worker. And I missed out so much in high school only until my horse was injured. What did I actually even experience high school? And then, you know, the same thing with college, I was forced to go to college. I would have never gone to college because I wanted, you know, I wanted this more than anything. And I just, I, I feel really lucky that, that I was kind of forced into, you know, experiencing my senior year in high school going to college, you know, having a child early, like all those things would not have probably happened because I would have thought that riding was so, was the end all be all. And, and it is, you have to have that much dedication, but I don't think you have to have it when you're a kid and you barely know what you want to do. Um, and so I think a lot of people get burned out because of that and they kind of miss the, they miss the balance of what's important in life and what keeps them balanced. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bit what is wrong with our culture in U.S. eventing is there's there's not really a good balance. You know, you, people think that if you wake up at sun up and you're out on a horse and, at night, that that's somehow the way it should be, um, no matter what you're riding. And I I just find it to be not the case. So, gotcha. Well, awesome. That's why we ask those questions because yep. we get the very thoughtful answer like that, and I, I appreciate. It. And I know that when people hear this, they're mm-hmm. going to be saying, "You know, they're going to be having this conversation." I'm crazy. <laughs> no, no. Because no. we have, we've had multiple. I've had multiple parents that I've read emails of people saying, "Hey, I listened to that in the car, and it got us talking about." college in the future and and all that stuff so everyone's perspective you know your perspective is is unique and and that's why we we appreciate your answer and 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 everything so hey as we start winding things down we always like to um mention you know your sponsors and everything like that and so we like to give you the opportunity to if you have any sponsors and supporters that you would like to you know, just tell us, tell us who's behind you. And again, another reason we try to do that is one is to, you know, put some value back behind your sponsors, but we've actually had a lot of people have learned about new products just from hearing our interviews. So feel free to tell us who you got for sponsors. Well, one of my first sponsors and one of my biggest sponsors is Fleeceworks, which is um, Judith McSwain who owns um, three, four, four fleece works horses for me. Uh, 
And I originally got her as a sponsor through my veterinarian because I was going to Kentucky that year. And um, she sponsored me. She was a pad sponsor for me and um, had no clue that it would turn into having now, you know, four horses that she owns for me. But um, those pads um, in and, and and they it is a um it is a um a preference but having she, real quality sheepskin up against my horse's back is a huge a huge um benefit i've seen uh you know everybody has their preference but i literally will not allow another pad in my barn <laughs> if i see one i'm like you know it's it's like you know this the sin has happened and um uh but uh she you know she's been she was my first owner and uh just very behind the scenes and uh I don't I I wish I could give her more recognition because she you know I have to force her to come in the award ceremony if I can find her when whenever my fleeceworks royal horse wins and uh she's just been such a, a really wonderful mentor and wonderful person um and really like she's probably my my longest standing sponsor and professional choice another you know huge i teach their daughter and i also teach um the granddaughter and so it's um they're they're like family to me and i grew up in california where raining and the sports medicine boots were very popular and so it was so uh ironic when you know i'm i'm watching this kid grow up she's you know on this little pony and then she ends up eventually like being you know 14 and comes and rides with me it was just so neat but the but it also is a really great um a company and uh the founder uh, michelle's father was such an innovator of of sports medicine boots and boots, you know, like the cross country boots and how they do the studies of them. And so, um, but I have a, a tremendous amount of sponsors that have been so supportive for me, like Scott from Nupa Feed, like he sends me these amazing, um, really rude and inappropriate text messages on a regular <laughs> basis whenever I'm at a horse show, just to kind of, you know, cheer me on. And I, you know, they're like the people who sponsor me, they're, they've almost turned into friends and family, you know, they're like family. So it's just been, um, but I mean, there's too many to mention, okay. you know, really ultimately. Um, but I, um, Scott, by the way, and Scott is a who I love that man <laughs> more than life. I love him. He makes me, he makes my cheeks hurt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he does say it like it is. <laughs> he's such a great 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 guy great says it how is it how it is and is just really a wonderful man and and really under a, a superior product so i i just love him but um all my sponsors are on my website which is at nextleveleventing.com so um but it, it all those the one thing i will say is that i'm the sponsors that i have are companies that i 110 percent believe in mm -hmm. And, um, it's not because they give me things, um, because I've, I've actually turned down, um, being part of, of different products because I, I didn't, 
believe in the product. And so, um, not, you know, it just wasn't for me. And so I didn't, I just didn't, I, and I'm not into just, I got free stuff or I'm getting this or that from them because it's, it's definitely not the case. These people are, and companies are products that I solely really believe in and feel like have made a contribution and a difference to my career and my writing. That's awesome. Well, I think that's in a way to be authentic and, and truly, you know, truly represent a brand is to mm-hmm. really believe in it. So I, I admire right. that. And I think that, uh, I think that that's the best way to do business for sure. Yeah. And, uh, so besides your website, uh, do you have any social media that, um, people can listen, uh, follow you on? We have next level eventing on Facebook and, um, I believe it's NLE eventers or on Instagram. I think I, I'm not really good at the actual <laughs> names, but I'm sure if you type in Tammy Smith and Maxwell Volventing, it definitely shows up. Let me see. I'm looking it up right now. Let me see. Oh, yeah. It's just Next Level Eventing. Next Level Eventing. There it is. Right there on Instagram. So, well, Tammy... Thank you so much for coming on with us. This was uh, such a pleasure to 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 get to chat with you and get to know you better and hear your story. And it's uh, it's quite inspirational. This is uh, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing yeah, all this. This was great. No, absolutely. I'm I'm happy to. I I I hope to be an inspiration or at least you know something to somebody to to show them that if they really if they really want it bad enough, they it's it's never too late and um you know a work ethic really gets you a long way and maybe some unrealistic expectations on top of it but, <laughs> a little um, bit of ignorance no, is it's, bliss it's, a little bit of just do it even if the odds are against you <laughs> yeah for sure oh man well thank you so much yeah, this again this is awesome this is great thank you yeah no problem thank you thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed today's show remember to subscribe to Major League Eventing's podcast and give us a rating on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can always contact us at Major League Eventing at gmail.com. Cheers.